to Nieuwe Radio, a podcast about art, artists, and soup. My name is Sietske Roorda, and as you can hear, today's episode will be in English. And our guests this time are visual artists Willem de Haan and Hannes Nienhuser. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for inviting us. Pleasure to be here. So I first uh, will tell something about Hannes Nienhuser. He's a visual artist from Germany. His often humorous and sometimes disappointing installations, sculptures and objects deal with the countless contradictions of everyday life. And he currently lives and works in Leipzig. The work of Dutch artist Willem de Haan, based in Berlin, directly influences the situations we encounter on daily basis, just like props and settings influence fictional stories in films and theater. So both of their works feature in Uefida's current exhibition, No Hope for Sisyphus. It is an exhibition inspired by the essay of the philosopher Albert Camus, which is based on the old Greek myth of Sisyphus, who is doomed to push a rock up a hill for all eternity. Usually this is framed as a punishment, but Camus has a more optimistic view of Sisyphus's absurd task. He says that we can imagine Sisyphus to be happy because he accepts the futility of his task as part of life. In this exhibition, Contemporary artists reflect on Camus' absurdism and the role of the artist. This episode is a supplement to the exhibition in which we will go more in depth into the works. So, Willem, I am going to start with you. Your work, Essentials, is a locker in which the visitors are invited to leave their stuff they carry on them, like wallets, phones, handbags, and then when they have left those uh, items in the locker, they can pick up a backpack of the opposite wall and take that with them out of the exhibition space and the exhibition for unlimited time and return it during uh, exhibition hours. Can you please explain how you came up uh, with this work and how you were influenced for this work by Camus' essay. Yeah, actually the the object you just described, they are all uh, tools to create an experience with the viewer. So the artwork itself actually consists of the viewer's experience and this already starts when uh, when you see the work, so you see the, or well, when you see, see the props, the backpacks, um, and you start to imagine what it would be like to go outside with one of the backpacks, what could be inside the bags, um, what kind of places you could go, uh, what kind of situations you could encounter when you're actually outside with the bags, without your phone, without your wallet. Um, so it's mostly like an experience-based work, which can also, well, already start, uh, already starts by, by imagining, uh, possible situations um, about Camus' essay there are a couple of lines in there which I felt uh, heavily connected with um, somewhere quite at the start of the essay he compares uh, suicide with an actor leaving his stage for example um, I think that's very interesting uh, to see not to, to see suicide not only as an act of uh, physical dying uh, but alternatively, alternatively, as an act of uh, quitting an act. 
uh, stopping a storyline. Um, I like to watch daily situations, imagining them as if they're scripted. Uh, so when I'm walking the street, I suddenly suspect everyone to be an actor. And in a way, there are certain elements that that define our daily act already. A job, for example, um, if you have a job, it sometimes it, it somehow defines your role and your set of possible actions during these working hours. Um, so in the case of the work I'm showing here, uh, I see objects as elements that define our daily roles. Uh, Sisyphus's role was also defined uh, or characterized by the stone he had to carry. And I think the, my daily activities um, are also like personally, my daily activities are also heavily influenced by the objects I carry with me. My phone, my wallet, my keys, they define what I have access to in my life. Um, and what if I, yeah, what if I imagined, what if I, if I have the ch uh, chance to leave these objects that partly define my role behind somewhere and get a different set of objects to go into daily life with. Uh, and that's actually the opportunity that I want to give with my work at uh, New Fide. Okay, thank you. That is so interesting. I uh, always also like how you perceive the uh, the the world kind of makes me think of the Truman Show a little bit. Definitely, it's uh, actually all like film, just like you already described in my introduction. All film and theater uh, are big inspiration for me, and especially the parts where where daily situations kind of start to look like they're somehow scripted. So the Truman Show, uh, I think everyone who's listening probably has seen it already, but it's uh, definitely something uh, worth watching uh, before or after visiting uh, or exhibition at New Ovide. Yeah. Okay, so Hannes, I'm going to continue with you and how you were influenced by uh, Camus. Uh, you have several objects in the exhibition, for example, a doormat, a suitcase and a calendar but they all have a certain twist to them. Can you explain how these works were inspired uh, by the essay of Camus? Yes, I can. So um, I think um, the main idea of Camus' essay of the Sisyphus is that this uh, acceptance of the absurd, which is inevitably death for everyone, kind of grants you um, a certain freedom, or you could say uh, existential flexibility so um, it kind of turns the the whole world which is generally sometimes quite hopeless maybe even into a sort of a playground and um, it gives it a much more positive connotation and takes away the fear a little bit of dying and uh, therefore also empowers you and gives you um, matters into your own hands by just uh, playing the game or the cards how you that you're dealt so um, I think uh, in the context of my art, I generally um, try to provoke situations like this uh, or stage them, you could say. And um, by using everyday materials, in that case, it would be the doormat, uh, the suitcase or um, a calendar. Uh, I think it makes it uh, easily relatable to most people and they can find these uh, absurd notions in the, in the tiniest things basically it's just a general 
yeah actions that don't make seem to make um, sense and i think you don't have to look far for to find those um, those situations and i just try to show them show more exaggerated version of those uh, things that are already there so i think you could say there is a quite a big inspiration from the myths of the sisyphus on my side yes and you already mentioned the absurdism which is of course also uh, the the program that Nuefide is running and it is both strongly uh, represented in both your works this uh, this absurdity and what I saw in your work Hannes is also kind of this routine actually uh, the repetitiveness in your work can you explain maybe a little bit further how this absurdum, absurdity in everyday objects uh, how you find it and, uh, and why it is so important in your art practice well I think um it's generally uh, all these little actions we take, for instance, uh, this whole act of, of cleaning and tidying, just all these mundane little things. They can also be seen uh, as a way of uh, an act of uh, escapism, basically, by just trying to avoid the idea um, that everything eventually is going to end. So um, I find a lot of people try to do this and uh, they come up with various ways to um yeah just create to to avoid this by creating some sort of sense or uh, reason or purpose in their life and um, this will show in in many different phenomena and it always fascinates me how people are actually trying to take uh, the freedom they've been granted by just having a temporary let's say, stay on earth. But then again, on the other side, they can't really take all that freedom because they may be afraid of the earthly consequences. So um, I find that very interesting. And uh, in everyday objects, I think um, it shows the most how we actually deal with the whole absurd aspects of life itself. You could basically uh, be doing all kinds of stuff in your life. Um, there is uh, endless possibilities um, and doing art is, uh, is one thing that you can do. And if you think about it in the sense uh, Camus suggested, it's uh, technically just as irrelevant as doing uh, anything else. So either you're selling vitamin pills or insurances or doing meditation or horse riding. Uh, in the end, it all doesn't matter. And this grants you a lot of, um, well, options if you actually em embrace this idea. Yeah. Well, Willem, I actually have the same question for you. Is like, what part does absurdity play in your, in this work, Essentials, but also in your other work? I actually think... Um... The absurdity is already there in a lot of daily situations and it's also something that the essay really well describes like uh, it questions why we do certain things and I think um, it's also hard to decide yourself like what's worth your time or what's time well spent um, because as Hannes just said it's it's a temporary stay uh, we have um, but actually, these these daily situations I get myself into, and they're probably not that special. I guess I guess that uh, 
a lot of these situations are also the same situations you guys get yourself into every now and then. I try to create tributes for them, or that's that's my intention at least. And I think a tribute should always like uh, take the subject seriously. Um, I think it's a big misunderstanding that tributes should be glorifying a subject, because when you glorify some, something, you actually make something else out of it. Um, well, tributing something that already is confusing or absurd, uh, like has a confusing or ex- absurd element to it, in this way, the the tribute should also be confusing or absurd. Um, and that's why I think absurdism is, um, in a way, always present when when you talk or work or yeah, when when you use daily life as your subject. Yeah, I uh, I also already um, kind of noticed when I was like looking to your to your other works that a lot of them are in public space also or, or like you know relate to the outside world, and of course with this work you're also sending people actually outside of the exhibition space even if it is hypothetical. Although I did uh, actually take one of your backpacks, um, put my stuff in a locker and took one of your backpacks out for a while just because I was so curious to see oh, what nice. was inside. Um, but, uh, and it's a lot of essential things that you you can actually go camping with, I or at least in, in the backpack I, uh, I got. But what is this, uh, why is this relation actually with the outside world so important for your work? I actually think having a relation with certain teams that are in the outside world is almost impossible to avoid. Um, it would almost be a more conscious choice to make an artwork that only relates to the exhibition space, um, which is something I can at the moment not even imagine. Um, so, yeah, I, I, or well, I think it's with none of the works in in this exhibition that I. Uh, really get why they are in an exhibition space actually like Hannes his uh, ripoff calendar also doesn't have to be in an exhibition space um Fico, his video doesn't need to be in an exhibition space they all relate to certain subjects outside of this exhibition space and i i don't get why <laughs> why we are all <laughs> inside actually <laughs> yeah, um but in the end what are we I, I doing here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the end i want i want my artworks to have a real impact and i think uh it's it's uh, it's a goal for many people to play a part uh, in in the life that happens outside of the white cube uh, so to be an influence in in what happens outside um and in a lot of cases even calling something art is is ruining it already because it's some kind of explanation it's a, you're saying uh maybe you're presenting something that people don't immediately understand and the moment you call it art or present it as art it's, it's the explanation okay it's art and then we don't have you know you, you don't have to, to think of it anymore it in more, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it takes away um, the mystery a little bit exactly i think um outside of the exhibition space a lot of things are taken more seriously than inside of it okay that is a very interesting uh point actually you make about uh, the exhibition space 
Hannes, I had one more question uh, for you, actually, uh, because you were already mentioned the routine aspect and the cleaning. And that was actually one of the things that resonated with me most, the brushing your teeth uh, or the vacuuming. Cleaning is so such a routine that we have. And can you explain how this relates to the myth of Sisyphus? And do you also have other works that relate in that way to Sisyphus? Yeah, um, good question. Um, I'm glad you noticed I'm a big fan of uh, cleaning. Um, no, just kidding. But um, <laughs> really, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's kind of strange how we spend like uh, quite a big share of our yeah um, limited lifetime by just uh, attempting to to make life itself longer and maybe uh, make it seem more fulfilled or so. And I think all these uh, little routines, as I uh, said before, are some kind of uh, yeah escapism. It's just uh, trying to keep yourself constantly busy so you don't have to think of your own fate, which is uh, once again uh, death in that sense. So um, I find that many people get really creative when it comes to spending their time in other ways, let's say, um, to to come up with ideas which uh, makes you forget that you are just uh, here for a certain period of time. And I think you can really... Uh, yeah, structure structure your day um, depending on that. Um, I don't know if I if I can t- say this, but I had a situation some time ago when uh, Corona just uh, started and everyone was locked down. My neighbors uh, they just bought a brand new table and they started sanding it in the yard for hours and hours. It was literally creating a horrible noise, annoying everyone. But um, then the more I thought of it, I, I realized. It's just a way for them to not um, think about all the time or what they could, what else they could do in their time to reconsider their life choices, to imagine different ways of living, maybe. So um, it's very easy to just uh, keep yourself busy and maybe uh, not leave your your comfort zone, even say, even though it might to the outside uh, seem incredibly ridiculous and when it comes to obsessive cleaning or cleaning in general i think a lot of people just use it as a as a tool to um, maintain a certain structure in life and also to a grand purpose of course it can become uh, like even um, yeah problematic but then uh, obviously it's also it's also a common thing to do for everyone so i can't blame uh, anyone who cleans you know yeah, I. but I think you make a very interesting point that we can all use in discussions with partners about cleaning. Because <laughs> yeah, it's your definitely new to it. Has become as routine for me as the cleaning itself, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> You asked me if I had uh, other works um, that sort of relate to the myths of the Sisyphus. And, yes. Um, to answer that question, if I had to pick uh, one, it would probably be a video I made some time ago. It's an endless loop too, where um, a cactus is standing in front of a running bubble machine, and uh, the bubbles—the moment they would pop out, uh, come out, they would pop immediately. So um, to me, this is quite a, a strong and almost a literal metaphor, um, considering the this myth of the Sisyphus. It's uh, 
creates a sense of hopelessness, but then at the same time in a rather humorous way. So um, that sheds a little bit of light onto this whole idea of not yeah, getting anywhere. Yeah, it's it's the bubbles immediately get killed. Exactly. They don't get to float up and splat out later. Yeah, I saw that work. It was really nice uh, on your website. Thank you. What I noticed when I was looking at your websites, especially that of Willem, is that um, that you're both very productive artists. And I also wanted to still ask you about how, as an artist, you relate to Sisyphus. I think it's a it's a funny question because in a way it's it's weird or it's weird it's uh, specific to to um, relate productiveness with uh, the myth of Sisyphus because um, I think Hannes answered this question already a bit but uh, you can imagine all time is spent equal if you read the essay um, yeah. and one chooses to do it one way and the other chooses to do it the other way um, yeah, you can also imagine different ways of grading time. Maybe uh, according to the essay, it would be uh, when you're having fun. That's like the time that's the most well spent, so to say. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll ask the question back. Like, wh why do you think productiveness is uh, especially related to the essay? What I how I related it to the myth is because Sisyphus is like kind of being productive in that he's like constantly uh, pushing the rock up up the up the hill with it rolling back the whole time and like is this like this constant actually productivity actually that's going on? Yeah, I think the moment uh, of the essay Camus himself likes the most or the moment of the myth is actually when uh, Sisyphus is walking down the hill to pick up the rock because oh, yeah. it's it's the non-productive moment. The rock has already rolled down again and it's a moment to kind of give up to your circumstance, yeah, circumstances or give give yourself over to the situation. So he, he knows his faith somehow. I don't know, faith also is a weird word to use in this case, but... Um, he knows what's what's coming next and still he's walking down to pick up the rock again and to do something pointless again. And I think that's the nice thing about maybe in relation to, to productiveness uh, is the moments that you're not like working towards a goal, uh, but the moments that you're actually like adopting uh, what, what the goal really is and uh, indeed like look back on things that you thought were results but after like something is only a result for for the two seconds you finish it and then uh, the minute after you look back on it and it's already not the result anymore because it all just continues um so i don't know in this case i would agree with uh, camus and uh, definitely uh, try to search for the moments in my in my own practice uh, to search for more moments that are like walking back down the hill, uh, giving over to uh, to the situation that you uh, got yourself into. Are those actually also kind of moments of reflective reflectivity that you kind of reflect on what is happening or what you've done? Or I think so. I think uh, at least it's a moment that's not 
productive itself. So it's uh, to use Hannes's example of of uh, um, what were they doing to the table again? They were just sand sanding it for hours <laughs> with very fine paper, you know. Yeah, it's like sanding this table is pushing the rock up up the hill. But then when this table is in your living room and you look at it and you put a, uh, you're putting a cup of tea on top of it, it uh, you realize that it didn't make any sense and that it's maybe like it's fulfilling the same purpose as the table you had before. Um, that might be the moment that you're <laughs> indeed reflecting on on the pointlessness of, of the thing you've been doing and uh, the moment that you're picking the rock up or that you're walking back to your rock, you know, to to start the next uh, pointless uh, exercise. But I think there are some some more relations. I mean, if you see it a little bit in the fields of the cultural scene, um, considering the Sisyphus, because um, as Willem already suggested, I think sometimes uh, everyone probably knows this who's working uh, in, the, in the field of the arts, that uh, you put tons of effort into a specific project or work but then uh, yet it won't um, commercially succeed or get the attention um, you think it deserves yeah and, uh, that is uh, some aspect of yeah un unpredictability too as well as that sometimes it goes well for you as an artist maybe a year or two or three or ten but then uh, at some point i think you're basically thrown back to the bottom once again and there you have a quite a a strong relation to the uh, myths and also well one one thing that is different though for for artists that uh, is that they often become more successful after their death so um it's not over for them it's like uh, <laughs> going that's to, when when the real Valhalla. rock <laughs> rock pushing starts actually yeah maybe i mean um it's a, it's a different stage than I guess. So um, our last question relates to our Supok, which pre-corona we used to organize each Wednesday. Uh, for now, we post uh, recipes each Wednesday on our social media. So I would also like to ask you, what is your favorite soup? I like uh, soup with uh, pastinac and prei. <laughs> I don't know if you can translate that. <laughs> I think that's I... the right term, no? Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> they call it uh, forgotten vegetables as well, I think. At least pastinac. Ah, yeah. No more. Those times are over now. Yeah, so let's let's bring pastinac back into the soups. Soup, <laughs> yeah. My favorite soup is probably tomato soup um, with a lot of pepper. Nice. I already expected that. I know Hannes is a big uh, margarita lover. Oh and yeah. It's also actually like a pizza with tomato. It's true. That's where the real quality shows. So uh, I want to thank you uh, both for talking about your artwork with me uh, for this episode. Are there any places we can find your work online? Uh, yeah, you can visit my website, which is just uh, hannesnienhuser.com. Um, you can probably find a link on the website too. And uh, obviously, I'm also on Instagram with the same name. So um, hit me up. My Instagram is uh, thanks Willem. And uh, my webpage is uh, www.willemdehaan.be. 
because Anel unfortunately was already taken by someone quite nice. So if you want to check out what the other Willem de Haan is doing, also make sure to check out www.willemdehaan.nl. Yeah, I already noticed that. So um, we will put all this information in our show notes. For the last part of this episode, we will switch back to Dutch as we are going to listen to our short story for the series Rare Tijden in Absurdistan. Rare Tijden in Absurdistan, deel 7. Wat doet u nu? Een overbodige vraag, dunkt mij. U gooit mijn ruiten in. Gooi uw eigen ruiten in, SVP. Wie gooit er nou zijn eigen ruiten in? Dat is toch belachelijk? Ja, dat is waar. Kijk eens aan. Maar dat het belachelijk is om uw eigen ruiten in te slaan... impliceert nog niet dat het zinvol is om de ruiten van anderen in te gooien. U hoort mij niet beweren dat het zinvol is wat ik doe. Kijk eens aan. Maar in het verlengde daarvan lijkt mij uw vraag... wat doet u nu ook niet overlopen van zinvoliteit. Dat hoort u mij op mijn beurt ook niet beweren. Kijk eens aan. Wat doet u nu? Een overbodige vraag, dunkt mij. Meneer, u gooit mijn ruiten in. Gooi uw eigen ruiten in. Wie gooit er nou zijn eigen ruiten in? Dat is toch belachelijk? Ja, dat is waar. Kijk eens aan. Maar dat het belachelijk is om uw eigen ruiten in te slaan... impliceert nog niet dat het zinvol is om de ruiten van anderen in te gooien. U hoort mij niet beweren dat het zinvol is wat ik doe. Hm? Kijk eens aan. Maar in het verlengde daarvan lijkt mij uw vraag... wat doet u nu ook niet overlopen van zinvoliteit... Dat hoort mij op mijn beurt ook helemaal niet beweren. Kijk eens aan. Wat doet u nu? Een overbodige vraag, dunkt mij. U gooit mijn ruiten in. Gooi uw eigen ruiten in, SVP. Wie gooit er nou zijn eigen ruiten in? Dat is toch belachelijk? Ja, dat is waar. Kijk eens aan. Maar dat het belachelijk is om uw eigen ruiten in te slaan... impliceert toch niet dat het zinvol is om de ruiten van anderen in te gooien? Ja. U hoort mij ook niet beweren dat het zinvol is wat ik doe. Kijk eens aan. Maar in het verlengde daarvan lijkt mij uw vraag... wat doet u nu ook, ook niet overlopen van zinvoliteit. Dat hoort u mij op mijn beurt ook niet beweren. Kijk eens aan. Wat doet u nu? Een overbodige vraag, dunkt mij. U gooit mijn ruiten in. Gooi uw eigen ruiten in, SVP. Dit was dan aflevering 6 van Nieuwe Vide Radio. Houd onze website nieuwevide.nl en social media in de gaten voor nieuwe afleveringen. Deze podcast wordt gemaakt door het team van Nieuwe Vide. Deze keer was de presentatie en editing van de podcast in handen van mij, Sietske Rorda. Ik ben medewerker communicatie samen met Saskia Burggraaf. Ons team bestaat verder uit Lisbeth Vizé, curator... Ietje Veenstra, projectcoördinator en Wil Maris voor de administratie en beheer. Met veel dank aan mensen Slik voor onze jingle. Het hoorspel was op basis van een tekst van Wimpe Schippers, bewerkt door theatermaker Marius Bruin en ingesproken door Jochem Jalling en Marius Bruin. Tot de volgende keer!